0: we all want something unique especially when it reflects our personality and style our clothing and our home furnishings come to mind however one local company has taken whims accessories way beyond crafted to individual works of art hi i'm your host bob williams and i'm very pleased to welcome gretchen bauer founder and designer at b swanky luxury handbags in this episode you'll learn one thing most people don't know about gretchen how she made the transition from a 20-year career in interior design to luxury handbags, how she ended up working with the NFL wives during the recent Super Bowl weekend, why B. Swanky was a finalist for the prestigious Accessories Council in New York, how she leverages her luxury handbags to raise money for charity, and much, much more. I'm so glad you stopped by today. It is my hope you will listen, learn, and connect. Gretchen Bauer, founder and designer of Be Swanky Luxury Handbags. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you for having me, Bob. Well, this is a lot of fun because I'm getting way outside my comfort zone because I get to talk to somebody about women's handbags. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this this is going to be a lot of fun. Well, I will say, uh, it surprised me. I I had been following you a little bit on LinkedIn. You know, you get into these feeds on your LinkedIn and some of the other social media sites. And I kept seeing your advertising for B Swanking. And so I went over to your website. I'm like, wow, these are some really cool items here. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm hesitant to, to share my, these with my wife, but, but they are really, really cool handbags that you make. And I really wanted to get you on the podcast today. I want to talk about where the idea came up from, how you make them and all that good stuff. But again, I asked my favorite question, which is, what is one thing most people don't know about Gretchen?
1: Hmm. Oh, my goodness. The one thing that I think most people don't know about me is that I am obsessed with treasure hunting in consignment stores and thrift shops throughout the world. Wherever I go, you will find me in the back room of the smallest little, usually nonprofit thrift shop hunting for that gem, uh, a piece of whether it be a handbag or some fashion item from the past.
0: Really? So so give us some of the finds that you've gotten over the years, and where was it?
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, I did it in Bermuda, and uh-huh. I found an original grass skirt, a Hawaiian grass skirt that was on. <laughs> un- Well, how did the how did the the Hawaiian get to Bermuda? That's what I I don't know. know. (laughs) I don't know. I found that when you go to these resort areas, that's usually a wealthy um, resident that lives there, and they donate these fabulous items to the nonprofit thrift shops, and it's truly a treasure hunt. I mean, and exciting, and I love it.
0: That's interesting. One more, you got to give us one more item that you found some some wayward far off place.
1: Okay, I found a, uh, a an ebonized deer head, and so you picture this mount coming out beautiful ebonized with beautiful uh, metal antlers. I mean, just yep. absolutely gorgeous, yes. the juxtaposition of the ebony and, and the metal. And I found this at um, a consignment store, and I paid... $25 for this. And it was an original display from Neiman Marcus. So that hangs proudly in my home right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I had that talent, but I cannot spot those types of things. I wish I did have them. Uh, part of my family does. My oldest brother and my mother had that ability to see things and just uh, see the, the artwork and the craftsmanship behind it. And I want to get into that because you spent a good part of your year. Excuse me. You spent a good part of your career in interior design before you started the handbag business. Where did the, the idea for B Swanky come from?
1: Well, I'll go back to what you said—the interior design piece. I did that for 25 years on what's called the main line of Philadelphia. Hmm. And you want to talk about a discerning client, and I—I I was driven by. Exceeding their expectations and making their home, especially the women, uh, a reflection of them. It had to be an expression of them and a reflection of them. And I loved it. I did over two hundred homes, a couple restaurants, commercial properties, and every single time I worked for the Hug, I wanted them to really embrace that their home was not what I wanted to live in, but was what they wanted to live in, and. They would even tell me, I can't believe you know me better than I know myself. And so that was the reward in that. So that was the piece prior to the handbag company.
0: You know, I I do find that fascinating because back in, I think it was episode 76, I had Sandy Hapenu on. She's from Styling Sessions, and she does uh for i i guess for back of a letter better like if women are changing careers and whatnot, that she helps them to upgrade their wardrobe and everything like that and she said the very same thing which was you know she ends up knowing them better than they know themselves how do you do that
1: um i i would do an initial hour interview and uh and learn to know about what they love to wear because they seem to take um more risks in their clothing mm. than in their mm. decorating. So, mm. you know, if you look in their closet, you can really see what they really want to surround themselves with and then what colors look great on them. And I think if you approach it fearlessly, which I love to do, um, then it becomes more of an expression of them. I think it's fear that holds them back from making their home a really a reflection of themselves, but also so do the nosy neighbors sometimes because they think about what they're going to think and I said it's not their home <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's that's right. funny that's right. yeah what's my neighbor doing over there? They want to peek through the window what's well, where did B Swanky come from? Why did you make the transition from interior design to these uh, luxury handbags?
1: So, I was doing interior design. I moved down to Sarasota, Florida 11 years ago, mm. and I started doing interior design here. And I was working on uh, several big projects with my painting contractor, David. And David was originally from San Antonio, Texas, and his family was from Monterrey, Mexico. And David, at the end of the fifth big project we did together, gave me a tote bag that was made by his family in San Antonio. And I said, thank you. This is so kind. And he said, my mother and family made this. They make tote bags, and they wanted me to give it to you to thank you for giving me all the work you've given me Mm -hmm. over the past year. And I said, I am so grateful. Thank you. And he said to me, would you consider selling these bags? And I looked at it. It wasn't exactly my style. It was incredibly um, simple, uh, but well-made and beautifully made. The craftsmanship was unbelievable. And I said, let me think about it. And then he shared with me uh, the terrible situation his family was in where they had left a factory making these tote bags and contracted with the management to make them in their homes, bought the sewing machines and then returned to the factory with assembled pieces, uh, assembled tote bags that the factory had promised them $17 a bag. And they said, we're only giving you 13. And these are bags that retail for over $220. So people had left their jobs, making them in their homes and they, they were misled. And I didn't know that. That you know, I thought made in the United States or handcrafted in the U.S. made that they were meant that they were responsibly made, but it did not. So then take me. So then take me to the actual
0: idea for Be Swanky. I, first off, I love the name Be Swanky.
1: It is a state of being to be swanky, so that's what I love. It's an action.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's a great name for a, a website as well because immediately it connotes. Um, luxury, upscale. So I do like the name of the, uh, the purses that you have there. Which is, but tell us more about the purses themselves. How do you design them and where do the ideas come from?
1: The inspiration is usually from art or nature and the very materials that I can source. So it's I have the ability, as I did in design, to be able to see something done. Um, I can already see it made up once I see an exotic python skin or a beautiful flawless alligator or something that uh, a beautiful uh, hair on cowhide that has metallics and markings on it that is hand painted. I can see it made up into the bag. And so it starts with either something I've seen in the past. I am a museum junkie anywhere Mm. we go. I need to see the museum galleries. Um, that is my happy place and to be inspired by other artists. Um, so I get my inspiration from art and the nature. You look outside and if the colors are working in nature, then you know they work. It's it's like a little cheat sheet. Look in nature, birds, flowers, uh, landscapes. And and that's where I pull from.
0: Interesting. Well, and particularly living down here in the Florida area, we have such wonderful colors year round. Something's in bloom all the time. So I can see where you could pull from that. Where, but the, the particular handbags that you have, I mean, and they're really, I'm on your website right now, and they really are exquisite. Where do the actual designs come from? Do you just see something and just take a, a pad and paper and start doodling? Or do you have, I don't know, trained designers that that pull all that together?
1: You know, it's several ways the designs come about. Uh, often it's the client asking for something. For example, mm. we the, the first bag was our backpack handbag, transitional bag that is called our Boca Chica. All of our bags are named for keys in Florida, so we love that. We've got our Florida roots here and, and they're made um with Florida in mind, and so the keys are what they're named for, but our Boca Chica, the first bag, I designed with another designer, and I wanted something unique. It's got a trapezoid shape, and and it Performs as well as it's a piece of art that you're carrying on your shoulder and then changing it to a backpack, but it's beautiful as well. So that was a collaborative effort. Uh some of the designs our customers come to and say, I would love to have a tote. And wow. I said, Really? And and so we designed a tote. And the interesting thing is our tote started being um designed around the size of an alligator. And then it ended up having us push it to where it became even more and more. Uh, functional and beautiful at the same time. I love a I love a bag with structure, so it stands up and holds its shape, and the handles hold its shape. But it's an elaborate process. So, so these are really
0: bespoke bags, then.
1: Primarily, I would say the majority over sixty um, percent. Uh, there's customization in them, and the person custom orders. We do have some that are purchased on our online boutique. Um, or out in some very select uh, retailers that we work with. But primarily people come to us and I say, you have the opportunity to customize. And they love that, you know, whether a pocket fits their lipstick or (laughs) I had one woman, we designed a bag around everything she carries. And one of the things was her husband's flask.
0: (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) No lie. (laughs) Oh, that is cute. Well, you mentioned a little bit earlier about the artisans. Who makes these bags?
1: Um, We make them. We have our own atelier. And so that is rare in itself. It's all us uh, handcrafting them. And I have several women and one gentleman who just joined us. And they are women that uh, love what they do. And I go back to the word pride. They take Mm. immense pride in the craftsmanship and they say they want to be the best. Everything is about constant improvement and always implementing new ideas. And so that's what our our collectors love, because they might purchase one of one design, uh, for example, our Casey bag. And then three months later, we've elevated the design even beyond what they thought it could be from owning the first one. And so Mm. they're always looking for those details. The devil is in the details. And so when these women come to me and they say, I have an idea, it's going to take much longer. I say, let's try it. And it's the opposite of most uh, manufacturing of businesses. We are, we are, we're more of a workshop and until yay, but we don't look at it as how fast you can make the bag. And uh, when we have our, our customers come in they'll say, they always ask the women, how long does it take a bag? And the answer is however long it takes to make that bag. Perfect.
0: <laughs> would assume you have demanding customers. Don't they want to have a a window of when it will be done?
1: Oh, oh yes, yes. So they, you know, we, we'll let them know right now we're at a lead time of about four to six weeks and people seem to be willing to wait Oh, yeah, for the, for the bag. And it's, you know, I believe with our brand especially, there's an unparalleled emotional connection these women have to our handbags. They name them. They send me images of them. They um, put them away. They display them in their homes. And and that, to me, speaks volumes about how they feel about uh, owning and collecting our handbags.
0: I, I do find that fascinating because it's really an extension of themselves, very much like what you did back in your interior design days. I mean it's just really a it's it's just really a symbol of the individual who makes these or who asks you to make these bags for them. Is it is now when I go to your website and I look at all these wonderful bags, do you have a half a dozen of them that you made or two dozen or is it each one of these individually made specifically to the customer?
1: Oh, that's a great question. What is displayed on our online boutique are some of the core items. But when I say core, there's yes. still less than 20 of every bag ever made. Primarily, most of them are one to five bags, and that's it. But they're all truly unique because they're hand cut. So there's if you're working with a foiled Python done in France that has a rainbow pattern to it, it's where we decide to put those colors. So you could have a bag that's a little more turquoise or a little more pink, and we can make that happen. And so that's where each one is truly a work of art.
0: Let's go back to the artisans themselves, because it would seem to me it's very difficult to post a job description on Indeed (laughs) or one of the other online job posting sites to say, we are looking for artisan handbag makers. How, where do you come up with your, your staff? And then how do you train them so that they really are able to produce at your standard? You talked a little bit that you, you take some chances. I mean, or, or you, you know, you experiment, but where do you, how do you actually find and then train your staff really to, to manufacture at the level that you're happy with?
1: Oh, that is such a great question. And it's so relevant to right now because we uh we just hired a, a woman that is exceptional and she has 15 years experience. And she did come from job posting, but that is not the norm. Uh, I just met with four incredible women that are in. There's a network and a community out there of these artisans, and they're wow. they're all working different places. And so I know where to find them. And so I brought them in on Saturday, and I I told them about uh, what we're doing new and exciting, and 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 enrolled them in the brand. But they are already true artisans themselves. They 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 know about quality and precision, and they have a lot of experience. Now they can learn anything we're doing. They already have that experience. We have a woman that made um, uh, high end uh, ballroom gowns and costumes. For, oh wow! Uh, ice skaters for professional yes. ice skaters. Yes. So something I didn't know: ice skaters cannot lose a crystal or anything while they're skating, they will uh, receive dis- deductions. So her precision and quality to have something that performs, she's already a fit. So when she came in to start with us, um, anyone that has the the um, pride and they care and they have the experience just working with sewing machines, they can learn everything else.
0: That's amazing. It, it's interesting. I came from the Cincinnati area and 100 years ago. You had so many Germans that came into that area. As a matter of fact, it used to be spelled Cincinnati with a Z. But it—the the reason I make that point is like there were so many artisans there, really in the machining industry, and the quality was just outstanding. And unfortunately, we've lost so much of that in this country. And so it's just—it's great to hear you talk about this, and you've almost really answered. You know, my next question is, which is. Why not just to, you know outsource this overseas? I mean, it seems like everyone is doing that these days.
1: Oh, you know what? We have a couple advantages to doing this. First of all, we can hop on a trend. We can start the trends. We can pivot very quickly with the materials we can find. It's almost the mindset of just in time uh, designing yes. and just in time producing because yes, uh, fashion is moving so quickly. It used to be just seasonal and now it's weekly. You see new trends coming out and we're able to be trendsetters because I will get, I have the suppliers. Oh my gosh. They are the best suppliers uh, of the skins and the hides and the beautiful materials that we use. And they know I'm the one to contact when they get the craziest, most unique pieces where they only have a few because I can, I can work with that. In fact, we prefer to work with that. So most larger companies, uh, ateliers, fashion houses, they do not want the small quantities. Yes. Uh, that are exotic and, 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 and really high quality. So that's where they contact me and the women and the team in the back, they, love new things coming in. They said, we don't want to keep making the same thing. So, again, from a production standpoint, that means we have to change the thread. We have to change the paint. We have to change everything we're doing based on the materials, but we embrace that.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah, and it sounds like you'd be a lot more responsive and a lot quicker on your feet to change to the environment or to the customer's demands. But talk a little bit more about the materials end of things because there've been so many manufacturers out there um frankly I'm waiting for the tile for for my roof <laughs> on my house and there's there's a bottleneck talk about the materials that uh you deal with and and why is it you've been able to get them and and, and how's different maybe than some of the mass produced stuff
1: uh, you know what we haven't always been able to get them but that mm. makes me uh able to choose new ones and find new ones and source more even better, and I think it's I just said in the building the other day that if I could have gotten my same beautiful chains that I was using uh that that we were sourcing about six months ago, I would have stayed stagnant and instead, I found two new beautiful chains that we have custom done to length, and it's a Cuban link, and it's just bold and fabulous and even more dramatic and I think it pushes me to be more daring, and to have to find new things, and I love that. I love the challenge, and I love change. I love innovating and adding things. So because we've had a challenge of finding some things, including some materials, it, it, it makes me work a little harder and search. And here, I'm going back to the thrift shop. I love the hunt. I love finding it. <laughs>
0: Well, I can certainly hear the passion in your voice, and I do have to giggle a little bit here because in part of my research, I found a piece between you and Natalie Taylor, who is, let's see, she is the host of ABC Morning News, Tampa Bay's Morning Blend, and the show is called Keeping It Local, and you sat down with her right before the Super Bowl, they did a piece on you, which I thought was was wonderfully done but I never saw two women having so much fun talking about purses. Tell us about your experience uh with Natalie and why you how you are connected with the NFL.
1: Oh, it was wonderful talking to Natalie. She sure did understand it and <laughs> it really is it's a woman thing. It's just we 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 just love our handbags. And so she she was able to ask me a few questions and get to the root of why we were involved with the Super Bowl. And it it started with philanthropy. We have um, taken on um, part of our role is giving back. I believe giving back leads to everything. And when you and I chatted earlier, it started really strong during covid. We had always given back but covid. Uh, gave us the opportunity to help a lot of nonprofits that weren't able to have their events in galas. And so yes. we thought fast on our feet. And I said, we've always done these auction items, but how do we do it online? And we were able to raise in the neighborhood of $10,000 each time uh, for these nonprofits, just in a week of putting it out there um, on, on an online auction. And so then that, that transition to where we became, Uh, really the premier live auction item in Florida on the West coast. And we even do on the East coast, we're all over Florida uh, where they're asking us to do this. And one evening alone, we raised, are you ready for this? Yes. $155,000 in one night with two handbags um, (laughs) that night. So, so it's become, (laughs) we become known. Isn't that crazy? Congratulations. That
0: is wonderful. But, but so, you've actually raised over $400,000 in the last several years. Let's see, what I have here is, is you've helped nonprofits from Tampa to Naples raise over $400,000 with live auctions.
1: Yes, yes, and, and all the way over to Boca Raton. So it's, yes, we've done that, and it's I, I was at an auction Saturday night, and we'll be at one Thursday night. And, you know, we're very um, – I, I will use the word discerning who we work with because sure. we want to make sure – that they understand the value of what we're doing and that their mission with us. And and it leads to everything because it's like-minded people. So we love that. If there's a way to give back and, and put our handbags out there in front of people, we love it.
0: Well, you've also been nominated for several prizes, one of which was the Ooh. Accessories Council out of New York.
1: Can I stop you, Bob, and just go back to the NFL? You betcha.
0: Go right ahead. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. So one thing I wanted to say about the NFL is the NFL thread and off the field uh, Players Wives Association, which is a, a big deal in the NFL, especially during Super Bowl. They asked us to come out to auction off one of our bags at their uh, Players Wives luncheon. And then we took part in their fashion show, which was just over the top. And so that was I'll bet. A, Huge honor just to be uh, considered by them and then to work with them. And they were just lovely people. And we helped raise, you know, a great deal of money for their cause.
0: Boy, I would have loved to a fly on the wall to see that. I bet that was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, it was. Cra- it was surreal. So it was wonderful. And the connections we made uh, were absolutely amazing and life changing.
0: Now, you were just recently a part of five finalists for the Accessories Council in New York to, for Design and Excellence. Tell us about that, Gretchen.
1: Uh, the Accessories Council is really the international authority and expert on accessories. And I joined this organization a couple of years back, and they asked me to enter into the category of handbags exceeding $1,000. And we found out we were one of five finalists and the only one in the United States. The other, oh, wow. four, yeah, it was so, it was absolutely an honor. And we found out the other uh, companies, three were Italian and one was French. And so to be considered in that elite group uh, is, is absolutely a, a badge of honor for me swanky.
0: I would, th- I would think so. So and, and what came out of that? I mean, did, I don't know, did people contact you all around the world wanting you to design handbags for them or what? what happens when you are nominated for something like that?
1: Well, it was exciting because I think it put us in the category of art where our bags are truly artwork and you had brought up bespoke before. And so, yes, we we received a lot of um, communication internationally. And then we also it really validated to our collectors. And it it really. um, It not only validated, but it made them look again at our bags and contact us and and really spread the word, which the value in that is huge.
0: I'm sure it is. Well, so what are you excited about right now?
1: Oh, we have some really big things happening. Um, We have just been asked to do a trunk show in Beverly Hills with someone who I can't name yet, who is incredibly famous. And so that's an honor. Um, Now,
0: when when I hit, when I stop record, will you tell me? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) who says men aren't nosy I sure am (laughs) well congratulations I'm sure that is very exciting
1: but so that's that's the huge news we got yesterday and we are also moving our location and creating an absolute dream atelier that will rival any design houses atelier in the world we are going to step it up and we're moving in sarasota we're staying in sarasota but we had the opportunity and found a space that is magical and uh i think we're going to really um attract even more people that are looking for that experience of coming to the designer showroom and being able to select the materials design the bag with me side by side Uh and then be able to see the other side where the crafts people are working and, and the artisans are actually hand painting and cutting and all of that. And I think it's going to create a very special experience for people that that I think we've been looking to do from the very beginning.
0: Well, I can tell you as a guy, I have a whole new appreciation for for handbags now because I can really see and I say this in all sincerity I can really see that if you have a client that can come in and be side by side next to you and really design this bag, there's that emotional connection there. And and it is a piece of art. I think that's extraordinary what you've tapped into.
1: Well, thank you. And it's my passion now, again, is when that woman receives the bag, every bag that leaves this atelier I am involved in the packing because I need to see it and I need to know it is up to the standards where we believe we're setting the standards now in this industry. And And so when it leaves, I know that it is really going to have an impact and affect this woman in the most positive way because the women that carry our bags, the collectors, they tell us that they receive more compliments carrying our bags than any other accessory they've ever owned.
0: Oh, I could only imagine. I could only imagine. Well, so I'm sure there are people out there listening to this episode right now that maybe they have an idea or maybe they want to become an entrepreneur or they want to follow some dream that they have. So give us a couple of tips on what you've learned in your journey in starting and growing Be Swanky that you'd like to share.
1: I would say the first thing is to... Have a sounding board of people that you trust and to be able to ask them questions and throw out ideas, but also be willing to hear that it's a bad idea or that you might want to do something else. So you have to pull in these people, trust them, and then also listen to them. Yes, you have the final word, but if you're going to have people advise you, uh, you need to be open to changing your mind and pivoting. And improving and doing things differently, so it, it can be it can be a little humbling at times. But if you want to get out there and really succeed at this, you've got to have that sounding board that that guides you, that has the experience that you don't have. And I have about five core advisors. One is off the charts, the most amazing advisor that anyone could dream of, and and it's almost like those old commercials, E. F. Hutton when he talks. I'm writing everything <laughs> down and I'm in <laughs> awe. And and the people will come to you if you show them how passionate you are about what you're doing. Yes. You'll attract them.
0: Yep. I think it's 3,000-year-old proverb that says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And you are definitely an example of that. Leave us with something before we say goodbye. I know you got to get back to your, your business and uh, I have to get on to another episode coming up here, another interview coming up here. Leave us with something uh, leave us with one more tip. Beyond having a sounding board, what is something else you'd like to leave us with?
1: Well, I'll leave you with a tip and it has to do with handbags and I I want women out there um, to be fearless in their in their business. Yes. decisions or their 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 risk taking of doing what they love if you're passionate about it. But I think also, you know, um women they I think they realize that when they're leaving their home, you know, the last thing they take is their handbag. The last thing you pick out. I don't know if your wife is going to leave and then they grab their handbag. But remember yes, she sure does. Okay. It's the first thing that enters the room. So it truly Is a reflection no matter what bag you buy, but make sure it's a bag that, that reflects you, not, you know, that everyone else is carrying. It's, it's your ability. You don't have to fit your clothes that day. The shoes might be uncomfortable. Your handbag says it all about you and you can be a little more, um, playful and have more fun with it and be fearless. And that's where you had said, you know, um, I don't ever want to be boring. Uh, especially with my handbag and my fashion choices. Life is too short.
0: Well, it certainly is. And uh, Gretchen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. And trust me, whenever I reach out to guests, I ask them for any artwork that they have, but you have plenty of it on your website. So all I'm going to have to do is pull it off there when I promote you on social media.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Because these are all pieces of art. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, and I would love to find out not only who that person you're going to meet with in Beverly Hills, but I would also find out a year from now what's happening at B Swanky. appreciate you being on the Sarasota Stories podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Bob. It's been my pleasure.
0: Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to Sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.